0: Good, good. If you're ready for some word today, get out your Bibles or Bible apps, and let's do this today. What do you say? Amen. I've been teaching a series over the last uh, several weeks called "Getting Over It." Has anybody found your it? (laughs) For some of you, it's already in the past. Your it has been has done been gotten over, right? And. uh, and some of you, it, it's like you're way ahead of schedule because I have a lot of things I want to say before you're authorized to get over it. <laughs> but uh, apparently, apparently some of these principles, they work without knowing the next one. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> that uh, I can see certain things in the Word of God that will help us to live an overcoming life. And I guess you can just start on them anytime. I mean, I've heard fantastic testimonies already of things of long-held uh, bondages that have been released and are gone over the last month. So thank you, Lord. He's working good things in us. Amen? Amen. Now, I want to start with our, our two uh, scriptures, our victory scriptures. Let's read these together uh, on the screen. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Say it out loud with me. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, that's a good statement, huh? Yeah, that's all positive. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. He gives us the victory. I can say, he gives me the victory. And if he gives me the victory, then who has the victory? Me. Me. If you say it, then you have it. Is it important that we say it? Yes. Yes, Yes. verbal affirmation of the promises of God are essential to our experience of that victory. And then 2 Corinthians 2.14 Now thanks be to God who always leads us Oh, come on, help me now. I forgot to tell you. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. Amen. Amen. What what is that knowledge of? That knowledge is of triumph in Christ. It's victory knowledge. That's why we can say, we smell like victory. (laughs) Come on, you smell like a triumph. You smell like a winner going somewhere to happen. Yes, in Christ, we have this victory. Amen? Amen? Now, God has created us to be under him but over everything else. We are not to permit, accept, uh, or allow ourselves to be under the thumb of things, under bondage, under a curse, under affliction. Amen. And when I say that, I do mean that. We're not supposed to allow it. Someone say, don't you mean God's not gonna allow it? No, I mean God put this in our charge. We're under him but over everything else. Submit yourself to God. James 4, 7 said, well, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. God doesn't resist the devil. I have to resist the devil. So we come under the Lord, but over everything else. And with too many people, it's, yeah, I'm under God, but I'm also under a whole host of other problems. And that's not supposed to be like that. All right, that's why we're teaching to get, or, to get our, our order, our ranking fixed. I'm supposed to be above that stuff. In Christ, I already am, but practically in life, I may be under it, and so we're going to fix that. Yeah. See, uh, too often uh, people are taught to accept the lot they've been they've been dealt, or we could say the hand they've been dealt in life. And many times people say, "Well, I this is what I've been given. This is my lot in life." I just need to learn to accept it. And that is so often, that is a lie of the devil to get you to be passive and to not believe and to not push back and to not resist something that was the enemy's plan. Everybody with me? Okay, it's it's like this. When someone says, well, I was born with this deficiency, problem, abnormality, whatever it might be, I was born this way, therefore I just need to learn to accept that as being the case. It's, it's always bizarre to me to hear. Now, I understand people have this question, so I don't mock the question, but it's bizarre to me to hear that people are uncertain of, God, certain of God's will for their life if they were born with something that was bad. Like if they got it later, they'll say, yeah, that was the devil attacking me. But if, it, if they were born with it, they seem, some people have, they seem to have put that on God, like almost like he controls everything before birth, then after birth, <laughs> then it's about our choices and it's about satanic attack. You guys, listen, that's not correct. Yeah. Are we to assume that everything that happens in a child, well, what about whatever their parents did? What about the generations before them? What about the fact that we live on a fallen, in a fallen world? What about we live in a place where sin corrupts for generations? I'm saying just because someone was born a certain way, that doesn't make it permanent, nor does it make it God's will. I'm saying even if it goes back to your very birth or whenever you determine this happened, you can still apply the promises you can still get victory. You can still see a change over that circumstance. Amen. Amen. It's like when you, when you play cards. Does anybody play cards? Are you gamblers? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> when you play cards, a lot of games, and I only know a few games, but when we play games, you, you know, everybody gets you get dealt a hand, and, and then you look at your cards, and sometimes you got winning hand, and sometimes it's like, this is bad, right? So what do you do? You're looking for that discard pile, yeah. at least in the games that we play, you know. You go through, it's your turn. You can pick that one up or, you know, pick one of the two cards up. And you, then you discard. I want to get rid of the bad cards and pick up some better, better cards. Yes. Okay. That's called Christianity. <laughs> That's what we do when we go to church, Right? We get a new scripture, we get to find a new word, a new revelation, something, something comes to us, gets real to us, and you look at, your, you look at your, the hand that God dealt you, you look at your hand, you think, <laughs> I need to discard some things. Come on, come on. I've been dealt the wrong hand here. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you got it yesterday or got it 50 years ago or got it when you were born or if it was a result of your bad decision, it doesn't matter, it's in your hand and God gives you an option. I'm taking this over this. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I'm sad. I'm taking joy. Yeah. I'm sick. I'm taking healing. Yeah. Come on. I've been defeated. I've been a failure in life. I'm taking victory. Amen. Okay. I'm going to get rid of this, get rid of this. Now, someone else may pick it up, but that's up to them. <laughs> All I know is I want to get rid of but the, the stuff that is inconsistent with God's vision for my life. And he has a vision of victory for each and every one of us. Hallelujah. And so God created us again to be under him but over everything else. Um, even after the fall, you know, uh, God came in with certain promises and sacrifices and covenants. It was all to get these people who had been put under to be put back over. All right. Ultimately, it was done in Jesus, but he's been helping people for thousands of years along the way, saying if you'll obey here, if you'll do this, then you'll be above. You might remember uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28. God was given instructions to Israel and given the law, and uh, in that passage, he gave them very. He, he gave it to them for the purpose of putting them over problems and 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 really to be elevated in life in general. All right, in uh, Deuteronomy 28 and verse one, it reads: Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God and observe carefully all His commandments which I command you today that the Lord your God will do what? Set you high above all nations of the earth. See, you're not gonna be average. You're not gonna be just like every other fallen nation, (laughs) sinful nation. I'm gonna set you above. You're gonna be better than them. (laughs) Now, that language kind of can be troubling, I know. Someone said, you Christians just think you're better than everyone else. Well, I'm saved and you're lost. Well, that's better. Uh, I'm forgiven. <laughs> You're not. <laughs> uh, that's better. Uh, <laughs> I'm alive. You know, I was dead. I'm alive. Certainly better. I'm going to say better is a good description of Christianity. Now, I'm not there because I, I, I'm, you know, inherently better. I inherited sin just like everybody else, right? But he did come to make our lives better. He came to make your life better than it would be without him. Better in many ways. Hallelujah. All right. Verse 13 reads, and the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. Amen. Amen. And so, of course, those things were tied to uh, obeying the commandments. And we know in the new covenant, Jesus fulfilled the law on our behalf. So we can, by faith, accept that we are above. We are the head and not the tail. We're above only and not beneath. But God has always desired that for his people. You follow me? You're going to be with me? I'm going to make your life better than it used to be. I'm going to make it better than before. I'm going to lift you higher than you used to be, not take you down. So I said, what do I do? What do I do with that? Well, if I look at my own life and I'm under, I'm lesser, I'm, uh, I'm str- it's a constant struggle, then I say, wait a minute, wait a minute, this isn't the will of God for my life. What I'm living through, what I'm experiencing is not what God had in mind for me. And so I start pushing back and I start seeking answers and I start saying, Lord, how do you wanna do this? Because this is not okay. I'm not gonna roll over. I'm not going to roll, roll over accepting this is your will when I know it's the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I'm not going to. He, how many know the devil will pretend he's God to people all day long? Yeah, right. Come and rip people off and tell them this is the will of God. Rip people off and tell them there's nothing they can do about it. I've learned something. <laughs> I, I've learned a few things, and I'm not falling for that lie. Not going to do it. Anybody with me? Yeah come on, let's not fall for it. Let's not, 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 not settle with that kind of life. Even in the New Testament, Romans 6 and 14 reads, for sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. Sin shall, it will, it'll do what? Not have, it won't dominate you. Sin shall not rule you. Sin will not control you. So I never want to say, I can't help it. I can't control myself. I just, I keep doing the same thing over and over again and over again and I can't help it. Now, if you maybe have done the same thing over and over again, but start saying this, sin does not rule me. Sin shall not dominate me. My desires do not determine my decisions. What I want to do or feel like or I'm tempted to do is not the final word on the subject because sin shall not rule me. Amen. And this is why Jesus came so that we would again be put... Over it now. Over the last uh, number of weeks, I've been teaching these various principles that I'm still continuing. When I, like when I mentioned somewhere, getting their victory before I'm finished, uh, all of these work. Number one, we said that if we're going to live an overcoming life, we need to make God our source. God must be our source. We, I mean, we don't only look to Him. We're not only looking to Him for forgiveness and salvation and eternal life. We look to Him for everything. I'm a, come on, he's our helper. He's our strength. He's our guide. I look to him for wisdom. I look to him uh, for peace. I, I, I look to him for, for direction in my career. I look to him for uh, help understanding my wife. I, I look, to, I look <laughs> right? And vice versa. <laughs> I, I look to him. He's got to be my everything. He's literally is my source. It's not just limited to, to spiritual matters. You know, I got something in the mail a while back, and it was from some kind of uh, health clinic, and they were obviously advertising to churches because they said something in the advertisement uh, that you churches you minister to people in in spirit their spiritual needs, and we help people with their physical needs. And I thought, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but I don't believe that. Uh-huh. What, 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 why, why do I say that? I say the Word of God is not limited to helping you in an unseen, unfelt way. We help you spiritually. You apply the Word of God, and it'll help you physically, financially, maritally. In every area of life, the Word of God will have an impact. I'm not taking anything away from what those guys are doing to help people from the natural side. I'm just saying the Word of God is not limited to a spiritual experience. Our spiritual experience is supposed to have an impact on us physically. Praise God. And so make God your source. Number two, we said refuse to fear. We are to refuse to fear. Fear gives place to bondage. Number three, we said control your tongue. Control your tongue. And, you know, we, we understand this, that you can have a mouth of, of cursing or a mouth of blessing, right? Right? We, we should not only speak life to other people, we should also speak life to ourselves. Like I said before, it's, in, it's interesting that, I, that we even have to say that. Don't curse yourself. I shouldn't have to be told that, but apparently we do. Because we like to speak about negative things and really curse our own life. When we say curse, we mean more than cuss, right? Not just about bad words, It's about the language of death. You may say, a curse word is, and whatever, you know, those. I would say a curse word could include all kinds of curses. In other words, evil of any type that is directed at anybody. If I wish evil on you, that's cursing you. If I speak evil to If I do that to myself, I curse myself. If I'm... Uh, you know, if I say, uh, you know, it's like my pockets have holes in them. What's the saying when people run out of money? Isn't there a, come on. <laughs> All right, I'll come up with my own illustrations. Uh, <laughs> but when people say things like that, like I can't ever hold on to anything, and it's just like money runs away, and everything I buy breaks, and and. You know, all that kind of stuff. What is that? That's a curse. Yeah. Now, you may not have said blankety, blank, blank, blank. You know, or use the top row of your keyboard. <laughs> but you still cursed. You cursed your buying ability. <laughs> you cursed your finances. So that's what I'm talking about. We say a mouth of blessing or a mouth of cursing. And I shouldn't expect to overcome while speaking the problem and thus cursing my own future. I need to get promise-minded. Uh, I need to get promises in my mouth instead of curses in my mouth, saying what is negative or what can be. Have you ever run into that person who uh, they always seem to be quick to say what can't be done? There, there are no people. Can you do this? No. Well, what do you think about if we do this? No. Well, how about this? No. Well, we can't do this. We can't. It's like, don't they drive you up the wall? It's like, do you have a yes in you anywhere? You know, but we want people to be solution minded. It's like, yeah, that's that could be a problem. But hold on now. Let's think about this. And really, for the believer, we're trusting the Lord. He's going to give us a way to make this happen if it's the right thing. And so uh, we don't want to be among those who are always cursing things. If you would, turn to the book of James. Since I had you get your Bible out and everything a while ago. James chapter three. James, the third chapter. And notice with me in the first verse, James three and verse one. It reads, my brethren... Let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. In other words, not just the teachers, not just teachers that stumble. He said, we all stumble. In other words, we all deal with stuff, okay? If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man able also to bridle the whole body. So you could make a bunch of mistakes in life, you could do some wrong things, but if you'll learn this one, you will have absolute control in your life, okay? If you learn what? To not say the wrong thing. This is, a, this is quite an outstanding statement. Our words are so powerful that if we never said anything wrong, we would be able to control ourselves in every other way. We'd be able to control our whole bodies, as it says in, in uh, well, right there in the New King James. Control our whole body. The New Living reads this way. For if we would control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. That's worthy of some meditation, my friends. <laughs> if, I, if I don't say the wrong thing, that, that also makes me wonder If I'm dealing with something, I don't mean just an attack or just a a problem, but perpetually, I'm not getting victory over it, then it has to be that I'm saying the wrong thing somewhere. Otherwise, that wouldn't be the case. Somewhere along the line, I'm cooperating with the problem verbally. I'm giving strength to it, voice to it. I'm empowering the curse and cutting off the blessing. Otherwise, I wouldn't live in this bondage perpetually. Now, some of you are tr- hopefully analyzing your own situations, thinking about your own life, Think, well, I don't know if that's true. Accept it as true. <laughs> and then watch for it here for- from here going forward. You'll catch yourself. You'll catch yourse- yourself cursing way more than you think. You say, I don't curse, I'm a Christian. <laughs> you might catch yourself when you see it in light of these terms, okay? And so, uh, whatever our bondage is, we must be cursing somewhere. Verse three, indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things, See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And so, if you had to overcome something big, would you? Let me say it this way. Let me correct it. If you had to overcome something by doing something big, would you do it? Now, some would and some wouldn't. It depends on the severity of the problem. You know, it's like there's this guy I've seen in the last few years that must live somewhere around us because as I'm driving, I see him running down the road, all right? And I say that, I see him running. He's not actually running, just his arms are running, all right? The lower part of him is walking. And he looks like he's getting a good workout, all right? He's he's very much not in shape, but I applaud the guy. And I have always wondered, I thought, I wonder if that guy got a doctor's report that said, you better do something about this weight or you're not going to live. Something like that, like a heart problem or something. I just wondered. And and I see the guy running. I want to stop and go, 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 go. You know, because I see him doing it, uh, you know, over some time, I saw it quite a bit. and I thought that guy's taking this serious. He's doing what's hard to take care of a problem. So some people will do that. If it takes major life changes, they will make those to overcome, you know, difficulties and and problematic, especially if they're, uh, they've got death on the end of them. But when I read this verse, I need to focus on something small in order to overcome something big. Sometimes we think, I'll, I need instructions. I need an answer. Pastor, tell me how to get out of this. Tell me how to overcome in this situation. And I say, okay, you ready? It's your words. No, I know that. I need some real concrete things to do. Yeah, you need to stop talking the way you do. I already know about that. I'm, here's what I'm saying. Too many times we dismiss this solution because it seems small. Well, that's just that. Okay, I'll do that, but what else? How about we believe the Word of God and these strong words that say, if you can control that, then you'll control your whole life. And the the illustrations are bits guide great, you know, big horses, rudders that guide great ships, little fires that kindle great ones, tongues that boast great things, all right? This is the language. This small thing controls big things. If we have a big problem I recommend you use your bit, your rudder, your tongue, your match. Use the little thing to control it. Don't minimize the power that is contained therein. If I will fix that, I'll fix my life. I know that sounds too simplistic, but I don't want to do the scripture any injustice by explaining this away and saying, well, you also have to do these 12 things. If I can fix my mouth. And so I think about, you know, when we say things, one of the challenges we have and why people don't fully believe this is they think they're riding a jet ski. Okay, if you've ever ridden a jet ski, jet skis can turn around on a dime with the proper inputs and power. You can turn and gun it, right? That jet in the back is going to go and you're gonna whip around and go the other way. There's no illustration of your tongue is like the the jet on a jet ski. In other words, our speaking is not a momentary, one-time, short-term event. The language used, especially the one with the ship, we're not, because since we're talking boats, uh, a ship is not going to turn around if it gets a quick turn on the wheel and then goes back, right? It's just gonna, <laughs> it's barely gonna move. If I want that ship to go a different direction, I have to turn it and I have to hold it, right? Hold that rudder and over time, that ship is gonna go a different direction. This is what it looks like often with, with believers is we see this principle and we say something once or for a day or for a short period of time. Or we come to church and we repeat after the pastor and we speak, victory, life, I'm overcomer, yeah. And then we go out with, with death in our mouth. And we're probably not out of the parking lot until we're complaining, speaking death. What am I gonna do? Oh, I always do this, I'm so stupid. And all, you know, all this cursing, And we go back and think, I don't know, that stuff doesn't seem to work for me. (laughs) What'd you say? (laughs) They don't even catch themselves when they're cursing themselves in the moment. It's live cursing. (laughs) Happening right here. So if you have a friend that knows you close enough, maybe they can help you and point that out. Is that what you want? You know, because I found myself I've told you how I've corrected things on the fly before. Something I say wrong. I've done this even in recent years when I catch myself saying the opposite of what I want. It's called sarcasm. I used to use it a lot because it's funny. And I thought, that's the opposite of what Jesus did. Jesus wasn't sarcastic, he never said the opposite. He would never say, uh, the guys came, hey, uh, Lord, we got all these people, we're out of food. He never said, oh, great. (laughs) <laughs> Come on. in other words he didn't describe negative situations with positive words in a sarcastic way in other words if he said something he meant it yeah. so I mean Amy has probably heard me do this because I do it out loud sometimes you know I do it far less than I used to but if I say something like that something will go wrong I'll Go, oh great not great <laughs> I correct myself on the fly because I don't want my heart to be deceived where I'm saying one thing, my heart is instructed to believe the things that my, word, that my mouth says. Right. If I keep saying it, my heart will be convinced that that's real. That's why you can talk yourself into sickness. You can talk yourself into the grave. You can talk yourself into failure and all kinds of things by just saying it, saying it, saying it, saying it. Your heart's saying, yep, yep. And it's the power source that's making it come to pass. Come on, Remember, guard the heart above all things, for out of it flow the issues of life. Yeah. Proverbs chapter 4. If my heart is going a certain direction, my life is going that way. And if my heart is going a certain direction, it's going there because it's listening. It's listening to others. It's listening to the word. It's listening to me. And if I keep telling it, you're a you're a loser. <laughs> you good for nothing. You failure. Then it's going to work day and night to produce that. Come on. Hallelujah. Everybody okay? Yeah. If I control my mouth, I control my life. I so. If I can get the right words. In there, then it'll change everything else. If you have big problems, use your words. Amen. Not just the jet ski, but hold it. And when you say it, when you say it wrong, correct yourself in the moment, on the fly. Say nope, 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 nope. I'm gonna get God's word back in my mouth. I'm not calling something stupid great. Hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> You remember, uh, Abraham was a, uh, well, maybe you know the story of Abraham. Some of you do. Abram, Abraham. God had a plan, obviously, that Abram and Sarah would have a child in their old age. All right? Isaac. Abraham would be the father of many nations. When you read that story, you find out that there's this statement thrown in there that it was appointed for a certain time. So God had a time frame in mind when Sarah would get pregnant in her old age with Isaac. So God, knowing that timeline, when he purposed for that to happen, he backed way up. And it was many years before that when he revealed himself to Abraham and told him, Abraham was the covenant name, Abram and then Abraham Meaning father of many nations, he revealed himself to Abraham. And said, "I'm gonna make you a father of many nations." He changed his name, and Abraham started declaring that. Why did he do that? Why not? I mean, why? It's you know, it's like telling your kids, your really young kids, uh, three months before Christmas, that it's Christmas is coming. <laughs> so how many know? They think it's tomorrow. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, Lord, why'd you do that to Abraham so far in advance? Because you know him going around calling himself father of many nations for a couple decades. He's going to have some opposition with people saying, you are cuckoo. You are an old dude. And no offense, but your wife is old. And you are not having kids. Why not just tell him the day before? You know, and then nine months, of course. But why not just... Tell them that you're going to be the Father of many nations. Win. Tomorrow! Get ready. Yeah Why did God start? God got the right words in his mouth way before the event was to transpire. He was shaping his beliefs, and Abraham gets written down then in the New Testament as the example or our father of faith. He believed God, OK? But God fixed his mouth way before the event was to take place. Now, when it comes to us, our victory is not for an appointed time in the future because our victory is found in Christ, so it's in the past, meaning it's today. So never entertain the notion that God's holding off his answer and victory for some future time. If it's in Christ, it's already done. But the point is, let's align our mouth with it now. Now and start speaking from a place of victory, speaking the promise instead of the problem. Amen? In other words, I'm old. My wife is old. I don't know if we're ever gonna have kids. Right? I mean, how long could you say that? But, the, but the, God gave you a promise. I know, but you just never know. You just never know what God's gonna do. I mean, he works in mysterious ways and I just can't understand this. I mean, we're old, you know. And you know what happens when you get old? And I don't know how this is gonna happen. So you can say that and others would encourage you. Others would agree with you. You'd get support. Yes, you're old. You're never having kids. What are you thinking? Or we could follow that. Abrahamic example, say, father of many nations right here, 80 years old, 90 years old, 100 years, father of many nations, childless, speaking the word, and it comes to pass. What say you about you? What say you about your future? What say but you about your present? If we can control our mouths We control our whole lives. Amen? Amen. Praise God. I have much more to say. Much more to say today. But we'll put it off for another day. Because we're out of time. Pray with me for a moment. Father, thank you for working in here. Working right now. Your grace is sufficient. This very day, this hour. Thank you, Lord, that we, when we get your word in our hearts and in our mouths, that's a release of your power. We'll no longer remain defeated, controlled by our bodies or controlled by this world or controlled by circumstances. No longer will we be subject to the things of this world, but we submit ourselves to you, and your victorious power then begins to flow through. Until, until circumstances are changed, until our bodies are changed, until our behavior is changed, until our lives are changed. Thank you for your victory. Thank you for your, your, your life. We purpose in our hearts today to agree with you in what we say. Thank you, Lord, for your life, your victory that flows our way. We give you all the glory. Thank you, Lord. You're such a good, good father. We worship and adore you. Thank you for helping each one. Thank you for helping each one. You're our strength, our fortress, and our strong tower. Lord, you give us grace to overcome today. This is the day. For some, today is your turning point. Today is the new beginning. You've rounded the corner. You're going on to more going on to something new, going on to let Christ live through you, and you'll never be the same. Praise God, in Jesus' name.